But we're glad you're here this morning, and we do appreciate the privilege we have as a church to be a part of what God is doing around the world. So connecting with the Mulings, or as Ryan talked about, connecting with our missions conference, it's our great privilege that God is working in the world and we get to be a part. And you never know what God is going to use. Did you hear what Yuko said? Uh, the woman began through what movie? Yeah, I looked at and you all looked stone I thought that was kind of funny to me. Wonder Woman, who you never know what the Lord's going to use, right? Uh, sometimes it's an invitation. And so let me invite you to take again, if you were here last week, you did this. But again, this week in front of you in that seat back is an invitation to Alpha. Alpha is an opportunity to explore the Christian faith around a table, conversation, and a great meal. It's been used of the Lord in hundreds of thousands of folks' lives around the world. And so we host it again here in the chapel the end of this month. I'd like for you to simply think about this person this week who in your life is not yet a Christ follower, but you've had some spiritual conversations and they've shown some interest. They haven't placed faith in Christ yet, but they've shown some spiritual interest. Would you take this invitation and simply say, hey, I know we've talked about this in the past. You've shown some interest. I thought this might interest you. If not, no problem. Just pass the invitation to them and see what the Lord might do with it. If he can use Wonder Woman, he can certainly use an invitation to Alpha. So would you grab one, each of you, and take that and offer it to someone? You never know how the Lord might use it. So as we started 2019, we started with the last verse of Mark 16 that said, and they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word, the word by the signs that followed. So as we talk about the gospel going everywhere, even in 2019, that's what was happening as the gospel of Mark ended. Now, just quick questions. Why did they go preach everywhere? Because that's what Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel everywhere. So that's what they did. Now watch this, second question. Why did the Lord work with them or why did the Lord work through them? Well, remember this. He had said to him, he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also. And it's like he almost says, no, strike that. It's better than that. <laughs> Greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Folks, I want you to understand this. The disciples went out and did what Jesus said in confidence that Jesus would do as he had promised. He said, if you'll do what I say, I'm going to work through you because the work of Jesus is not done in this planet, even in 2019. It's just to be done differently. It's to be done, how? Through us. That's why he went to the Father, so that you and I, who are Christ followers, the Spirit of God living in you, the Spirit of God living in you, that would work through you, so that those who have not yet found life in Jesus would find life in Jesus through you. That's the incredible privilege and that's what's happening as the gospel of Mark ended. And it set forth for us as we go into this year, this prayer. That Father, by your grace and power work through us, 
would at least 110 more people find life in Jesus. That is, believe in him and be baptized in 2019. We can't make that happen. That's why we are, that's why we're praying. That's why we're asking. But we know, we know that this is what God wants to do, that he wants us to go. And he says, if you'll go and you'll declare, if you'll go to work and you'll be my witness there, if you'll go to your neighborhood and be my witness there, then I will work through you. That's what I promised. And we want to rejoice in that. Did you you notice this when you walked into the South Auditorium? If you're over north, when you walked into north, did you notice this in the back? It's It's this huge tree. It's six feet wide, eight feet high. And we are putting this in the both auditoriums for this reminder. Jesus said, if you abide in me, as I abide in you, what will happen? You'll bear much fruit. If you abide in me, as I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. In other words, if you abide in me, if you'll do what I say, I will do what I promised, I will work through you, and more people through my work, through you, will find life in Jesus. And so by God's grace and power, if you look at this closely in each auditorium, there's a whole bunch of bulbs there that aren't lit. (laughs) And we're praying that by God's grace and power, they will symbolize as people believe that more light will shine. So our simple prayer is by the end of the year, it's going to be a heat lamp back there. And people won't even be able to sit in the back row because they'll be like, I'm getting sunburned from the back row back here. There's like this huge wattage back there. That's the power of light. And when we, when we pray what we're praying, and some of you may have gone, man, I missed this last week. Shoot, you ought to go back and, and listen to last week. Or if you were and then you got busy, you thought, I haven't prayed once. That's all right. It's a long year. Join me this week. Father, by your grace and power at work through us, would at least 110 more people find life in Jesus, believe and be baptized in this coming year? Would light expand? And we ask that, pray it with confidence. We pray it with the confidence that, that it's what the Father desires and it's what he deserves. It's what Jesus promised he would bring. It's what the Holy Spirit said that he indwells us. It's why he's in us, so that the work of Jesus would continue through us. And we pray it with the confidence that it's going to bring greater joy. More life equals greater joy. Yeah, you believe that? Okay, so folks, as we launch into this year, this is what we believe. And because we believe this, by your grace and power, with at least 110 more. <laughs> like the young man in, in the muling video, it was like I was in dark and then the light turned on. That's what we're asking for. The, the, the light, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that 110 more lights would come on. That uh, people would go from far from God to become one with God, finding life in Jesus. That is why for now, the next six weeks, we're going to be in John chapter 4. So if you have a Bible open, I see some of you already open to John 4. If not, turn to John 4, because in John 4, we're going to look at life conversations from a 
conversation that Jesus had first with a woman and then with his disciples in John 4. Now, as you turn to John 4, I have a unique challenge for you. I know some of you are on a reading plan where you're trying to read through the, new, the Bible in a year or the New Testament or you, you read a certain amount from the scripture every day. If so, keep at it. Don't let me mess you up. But if you're reading just a little devotional, you're not reading from your Bible at all on a daily basis, this might sound weird, but I want to encourage you, read John 4, not all of it, just the first 42 verses, <laughs> every day for the next 30 days. Now, I'm not calling you dense when I do that. Why would I need to read the same chapter every day? Not because you're dense, because this is deep. Because I'm telling you, man, when you read the scriptures, I, I spent all of December in John chapter 4. The, just not all of it, just the first 42 verses. And, oh, it just got better and better. I never got bored with it. You won't get bored with it. I have been psyched for a long time to be able to now begin to share with you after all that time in John 4 how the Lord has taught me from it. And you'll see stuff that I don't see. So if you're not reading somewhere, John 4, read it. You're not going to get bored. You're going to learn a, a ton. And what we're going to see is Jesus having a life conversation, a, a more life conversation. So the first six verses set us the context. I'm going to read them for us really quickly. Uh, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Okay, pause and look up here if you would, please. So it's noon. They've been walking. Jesus is tired. The disciples go into town to get food, and Jesus is going to take a break by the well. And there he has a life conversation with a woman that we're going to spend a lot of weeks in. And we're not going to talk about this morning, except just this glimpse. At the well there, he says to the woman, verse 13 and 14, anyone who drinks this water, pointing at the well, he's going to be thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I shall give him will never thirst anymore because the water I shall give him will turn into a Spring, imagine that, a spring of water welling up to eternal life in them. And so this woman responds to him and he responds to her and she responds to him and he responds to her. We're not going to look at any of that today. Instead, what we're going to look at is this. At the close, as the conversation is wrapping up, the disciples show up and they're a little bit murmuring back and forth between them about what was happening between Jesus and this woman. Ultimately, she walks back into town and they come over to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, pick it up in your Bible there, John 4, verse 31. They say, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Now, pause again quickly, one quick moment again. 
Are you a follower of Jesus? If you are, don't zone out right now. He is talking to his followers now. The woman's gone who wasn't a follower, but now his followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus, look at me, he is talking to you right now. What he says to his disciples, we should listen into very carefully because he's talking very specifically to his followers. All right, so with ears very tuned, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what he says. I have food to eat that you don't know about. And, And they're saying to one another, No one brought him food, anything to eat, did they? And he goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Don't you say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white for harvest. Already, he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, what the world's he saying? (laughs) That's to you. So let's back it up. Uh, The scene is... He stayed at the well, had a conversation with the woman. She went back to town. They say, hey, eat. And what's he say? <laughs> he says something like confusing. I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now, they think, did you bring him something? Did you give him something? Or, or maybe, do you have like Twinkies inside your robe there, Jesus? What, what do you mean you have food that we don't know about? You've been holding out on us? But that's not what he's talking about. They didn't have other, he didn't eat any other Twinkies or pita. What he says is, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You ever thought about that as food? (laughs) Most of us, the disciples certainly haven't thought of that as food. They're like, "Uh, we were just getting lunch. So what's Jesus saying here? My food is to do the will of him. Who's him? Let's break this down. Him is is the father. So my food is to do the will of the father who sent me and to accomplish the father's work. So we need to be clear. What's the father's work? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. So clearly, the father's work is seeing those who are dead in sin finding life in Jesus. So I just want you to, you probably already knew that, but let's be clear. Jesus, eat. I got food. You got Twinkies? No, I don't have Twinkies in my robes. What are you talking about then? I'm saying that I had lunch. (laughs) And my lunch was to do the will of my father who sent me that those who are not yet finding life in Jesus, who are still dead in their sin, would find life in me. That was my lunch. Can you imagine someone saying that to you? Uh, Matt and I go to lunch on Mondays, and I go, Matt, I, I order, you know, some fish and chips at Mandarin Ale, and I say, what are you going on? And he goes, I've already eaten. Oh, I thought we were having lunch. What do you mean? I have food you do not know of. 
ate before? No. My, my food is to do the will of God and sing the songs he has given to me. <laughs> what do I think at that moment? I think, I want to have lunch with somebody else first. Uh, no, I think, uh, Matt, you don't have to try and be that spiritual. See, is, is Jesus trying to be like super spiritual here? <laughs> no, he's not trying to be super spiritual. He is. Did you catch that? He's not trying to be something. He is something. What he's saying is this. Hey, guys, I have food, and I have an appetite for food that you don't even think about. Now, watch. These are followers of Jesus. So as I'm spending my 30, 40 days in the text, I'm like, ah. I don't have an appetite like Jesus has an appetite. I don't go to lunch thinking, wow, what's the will of the Father today at lunch? I go to think, what's on special? So if you're a follower of Jesus, I think there's a, there's a strong challenge for us here that we might have a prayer that would say, Father, Father, grow my spiritual appetite beyond my physical appetite. See, it's not that Jesus never ate. He ate regularly. It's not that it's wrong to have a physical appetite. It's that, it's that as followers of Jesus, we often don't have the spiritual appetite for what he does. And so he's going, I have food you guys don't know about. I have an appetite. I'm hungry for stuff that you're not hungry for. That's why you think because I skip lunch, I need to eat. I don't need to eat. I had something else that was even better than your falafel. It was seeing this woman who didn't have life in Jesus find life in Jesus. With me? I have an appetite for that. So I had lunch. See, I need to, let me say it this way. I've challenged us. Father, by your grace and power, work through us. Would at least 110 more people believe in Jesus and be baptized in this year? That's a great, that's a great outcome, result, prayer. But you and I, if that's going to happen, we need a far more personal prayer. And this would be where it starts. Lord, I need an appetite like your appetite, a, a spiritual appetite. And see, what happens here in John 4, I have food that you don't know of, is not new to Jesus. He said something like this before. You might remember, he had not been eating for 40 days, fasting. And the Matthew 4, Satan comes and says, if you're son of God, command these stones to become bread, because obviously you are, you're hungry. Talking about being seriously hungry. <laughs> you're hungry. Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Even after 40 days, I have a spiritual appetite that goes beyond my physical appetite. And that's where, folks, we just need to go. We're not with Jesus yet on this one. So what's our prayer? Father, grow my spiritual appetite beyond my physical appetite. I think you can relate with me on that one. But don't think this. Watch. 
Father zapped me with some spiritual appetite. Just, just, just hit me with it. Just make it burn. Make my, make my spiritual stomach growl, Jesus. Just zap me. That's not what I mean when I say, ask the Lord to pray. Because <clears throat> are the things that you can do to make yourself hungry? Spiritually. Actually, there are. And we can learn by what makes us hungry physically, what will make us hungry spiritually. What do you, what do you need to do if you want to make yourself hungry physically? Something, tell me. Okay, I, that's what I thought. It's very funny. It's the beginning of the year. Workout. Everybody's got workout on their mind. You say something different come June. That's true. What else do you make yourself hungry? Oh, yeah. Smell it. Mm, yeah. What else? Yeah. Don't eat. That'll make you hungry, won't it? It's funny. We never think about, no, that'd be silly. Why would I not eat? Actually, there is an example in the scripture. Watch this. Don't get confused. To physically not eat as a means for spiritually increasing our appetite. The discipline of fasting gets lost in our culture. Let's fast and it's about losing weight. Now, fasting in the scriptures is about heightening our spiritual attentiveness, our spiritual appetite. It's saying, I'm not gonna eat so that my stomach makes me actually hungry for, for God and for what he wants. You see, there is a, there's a hunger represented in Jesus in Matthew 4 here that growing my spiritual appetite, it's an appetite for his word. He's going, I, even after 40 days, I want his word more than I want bread. That's Matthew 4. An appetite for his word. John 4 is an appetite for his work. You see, he's not sitting by the well going, oh no, I didn't need to eat. I was reading my Bible all through lunch. No, he said, no, I don't need to eat. I was, I was doing the work of the Father who sent me. I was saying, speaking in a way that someone who didn't have life in me yet found life in me. That was my lunch. So it's an appetite for his word and his work. And one of the ways we can do that is by actually physically fasting. So we're going to do something. You know, I like to do unique things. So we're going to do something in two weeks, two Sundays from today. We're going to have a no lunch lunch. You know how we oftentimes do a, a lunch on the lawn after church? We're going to have a lunch after church, but it's not going to be on the lawn. It's going to be in the gym, and it's going to be a no-lunch lunch. <laughs> Meaning what? Meaning we're going to go to the place where we often go to eat, and we're going to sit around tables where we often sit down to eat, and we're going to sit down and eat, but we're not going to eat any food. We're going to instead give ourselves to the food that Jesus had at that noon. We're going to have at noon 30. <laughs> now, you may be thinking... Are you serious? Did you just invite us to a no lunch lunch? 
I did because the prep is like really simple. (laughs) No, I did because I saw most of you agree with me that your spiritual appetite needs to be heightened. And one of the ways we do it is we skip a lunch. Now, immediately the staff said, after I gave them the idea, they're like, well, can people eat after lunch? I was like, well, of course they can. (laughs) I mean, if you want to, you can. You don't have to come. It's just, it's an opportunity. See, you don't have to do this. It's just an opportunity to not say, Jesus, is that me? But if I want my spiritual appetite to grow, sometimes I just have to let my physical appetite go there so it takes me where I need to go spiritually. So I invite you. And you can do whatever you want that afternoon. Not whatever. Well, yes, you can But come and instead of eating what we normally eat, have lunch, a Jesus lunch. And with your family, and it'll only last 30, 40 minutes, and then you can go keep fasting or go catch up. (laughs) But it's the whole idea of recognizing I can grow my spiritual appetite. And one of those ways by skipping a meal. It might be something that you go, oh, wow, I I might do that. Not to get thin but to get hungry for God. So what else can you do? If you want to make yourself hungry, well, I like I liked the comment here that you smell some food. Does that ever work for you? You weren't hungry and then you smelled something? You ever see something and then you went, oh man, that sizzling, I wasn't that, but wow, that sizzling steak, I, I think I'm hungry. You weren't hungry, and then the warm chocolate chip cookies passed right in front of you. And the person beside you had grabbed one and left that little warm plate of little chocolate residue, and you're like, oh, that's the way I like them. (laughs) My wife has sharing issues. I like to tease her about this. She has sharing issues because I'll say, hey, why don't we share something? She's like, I don't want to share anything. (laughs) And she doesn't want to share because here's how it goes down. Babe, I'm not very hungry. Why don't we just get a meal and split it? And I'm not lying. I'm not that hungry. Let's get a meal and split it. And then they put the food in front of me. I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm getting a little hungry. And I eat three quarters of it, and she gets a quarter of it, and she says, I'm not sharing anymore. <laughs> see, you see food. Hey, come on. You see, ever see food, and then you're like, whoa, now I'm hungry. Yes? Yeah, that happens. If that's true physically, could that be true spiritually? Check it out. To Jesus to his followers. Do you not say, there are, four yet, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. In other words, Jesus sees something that his disciples have not seen. What's he talking about? Here, this is awesome. He's going, look out over the fields, and you you look physically, and you see that field, and you go, four months, and then it'll be ready for harvest. But you you should see something you haven't seen, and actually what Jesus sees that had never occurred to them are people from the town that were walking out to meet Jesus. Why were they coming out of town to meet Jesus? Because the woman who he had a, had a life conversation with went back into town and said, hey, I was just talking to this guy. He isn't the Messiah, is he? He isn't the Messiah, is he? And you know what they go? I don't know. Let's go see. 
And they walk out, and Jesus says, hey, look up and see a harvest. It'll make you hungry. But if you don't see it, you won't, you won't be hungry. You see, because, well, put it together now. Because we don't see what Jesus sees, we're not hungry for what Jesus is hungry for, and therefore we don't have the food that Jesus eats. So, if you're tracking, you recognize I grow my spiritual appetite by seeing people around me in need of life in Jesus. See, it's not that I didn't see them. I just didn't see them. I work with them, but I don't see them like this. They live on my street, but I don't see them like this. I, I watched a jillion soccer games with my kids with them, but I don't see them like this. And because I don't see them like this, I'm not hungry for what Jesus is hungry for at the soccer game. I'm just yelling at the ref. You follow? Jesus is saying, hey guys, lift up your eyes. And stop just looking at the physical. See the spiritual. See the people who are walking out here. Here's the value of spending 30, 40 days in a particular text. Living with it. Uh, I didn't see this the first 10 days. But at some point in living in this text, a light bulb went on for me. And it was this. The, some of the very people walking out to them, the disciples would have interacted with in town while they were getting food and they had completely missed it. Same people. And so, what's our prayer? Lord, grow my spiritual appetite beyond my physical appetite. But not a zap me prayer. Very practically, open my eyes to see opportunities. Because we often don't see the opportunities. They're there, we just don't see them. And because we don't see them, we think they're not there. Open my eyes to see opportunities to engage people in life in Jesus' conversations. I want to engage them in, in life in Jesus' conversations. That's what I'm asking the Lord. Open my eyes to see. The op- because here's what I was challenged with. They were around the disciples and they missed them because they didn't see. And therefore they weren't hungry. When they got back to the well, they weren't going, oh, Jesus, man, should have come with us. We had all these great opportunities for conversation in town. They didn't say anything like that. What they come back and do say? Come on, eat. You ever feel like some people get good opportunities? I don't ever get good opportunities with the gospel. Ever feel like that way? Some people just seem to get the good ones. Or lots of them. I never have any opportunities. I want you to think Colossians 4, 5 differently. 
Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. That simply means someone who has not yet found life in Jesus. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward those who have not yet found life in Jesus, making the most of the opportunity. You see what the text is actually saying? That if you are around someone who has not yet found life in Jesus, what is it? It's an opportunity. So what should you do? <laughs> Make the most of it. Well, I don't know how to do that. That's why we're going to spend six weeks in the text. Because we're going to say, what's it mean to, to make the most of the opportunity? But let's agree together right now. We have more than we see. Because anytime we're around a person who has not yet had life in Jesus, it's an opportunity. Every time. Every time. It's just we don't see it. It's, it's the guy we live on the street with we go. We think about how he keeps his yard. That guy down the street, he's got like five cars in front of us. It drives me crazy. We need to get an HOA around here. And we're, we get... All caught up in the physical stuff. There's a big house. Man, what's he do to afford that big house? You see all their cars? Well, we think about all that stuff, and we don't see what Jesus sees. So we're not hungry for what Jesus is hungry for, and therefore we don't eat the food that Jesus eats. So don't zap me, Lord. Open my eyes. Now watch where Jesus goes next. He says, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together because more life is more joy. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So I get what Jesus is saying, not why he's saying. What's he saying? He's saying simply this, it's not complicated. A harvest doesn't just happen. It takes, it takes work. And it takes all sorts of different workers. It takes the, the worker who cultivated the land. It takes the worker who planted the seed. It takes the person who weeded. It takes the person who watered it. And then it takes the person who reaps it. And the great deal is the person who reaps it receives joy, but so does the person who cultivated it and the person who planted it. It's rejoice, it's joy for all of them because everybody shared in the work, right? So I get that, that a harvest takes work. What I didn't always get is, why is Jesus saying that now? Nice speech, but why? And then it hit me. Because here's what's happening. The people walking out to him are people that somebody has already sown into. Who? The woman. Not the Messiah, is it? Oh, let's go see. And they were going to be out there and reap and go, yeah, we led him to Jesus. <laughs> they were entering into her labors, and she was entering into their labors. Ah, oh, so Jesus was saying it's happening right here in front of you. You are participating in what she is doing, and she's participating in what you're doing, and that's more joy. 
But don't miss the overarching point. What's the first thing you said? How do you make yourself hungry? You don't even remember anymore? You work out. You work. So why aren't we hungry? Why don't we have the appetite that Jesus has? Not only because we didn't see people Because we're saying, zap me with some appetite, Jesus. And he's gone. <laughs> Why don't you start working in the labor and it'll make you hungry. I hate to work out. Obviously, I don't work out. I don't, I don't, I never work out. Some of you love to go to the gym and you pound away on that treadmill. And that's just like death to me. Unless I'm on a cruise. We've gone on a cruise on Jackie's birthday on our anniversary and another person. We've done three cruises, four cruises. And when I go on a cruise, I work out twice a day. Do you know why? Because mealtime. This mealtime on a cruise is this for me. I get to the waiter and I simply say, you know the food a lot better than me. Bring me the three best appetizers, the three best entrees, and the two best desserts. <laughs> and they're like, are you going to eat all that? Absolutely. How can you eat all that? Because I've been boom, 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 boom in the morning. I get up and I go, and I don't hate it. I actually enjoy working out because I'm going to eat the meal. And then I eat the meal, take a nap, and then I get up and go back to the front of the ship up there in the front. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm enjoying it because, because I'm going to eat the meal. And I'm going to enjoy the meal because I'm going to go boom, 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 and I'm going to work out. Now, I couldn't live life that way, but four or five days, that's sweet. <laughs> but I don't want you to miss the fact that some of us aren't hungry because we're sitting around not helping anybody. It's like when I have a big lunch with somebody in the congregation and then I sit around in meetings all afternoon and I go home and Jackie's made me a great meal and I'm like, oh man, that's a great meal except I'm not hungry because I didn't do anything today except yakety yak yak and that don't make you hungry. And Christian Family Chapel, this might be a little convicting for some of you. But some of you aren't hungry for what Jesus is hungry for because you're not, you're not working. You're not serving in any capacity. You're not engaged in whether it's sowing or weeding, reaping or cultivating. You're just sitting around going, Jesus, zap me with some appetite. No, 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 no. This is not a zap me prayer. This is a open your eyes and see people and when you see people, you'll start to see opportunities and start to help. And as you start to help, you'll get hungry. And as you get hungry, then you're going to enjoy the meal. And as then you enjoy the meal, you're going to go, man, I love to do the work because I enjoy the meal. So I love to get involved because I enjoy the meal. And so that's as close as I get to dancing right there. <laughs> but you see it. We don't have the appetite because we don't see and we don't see, so we don't engage. And so we, we don't love the food that Jesus loved to eat that day. So, yeah, it's true. 
I grow my spiritual appetite by seeing people around me in need of life in Jesus, but it's also true. I grow my spiritual appetite by being a part of helping people find life in Jesus. Whatever part that is, whatever part, uh, I grow my appetite by being a part. So, Lord, increase my appetite. Don't zap me. Open my eyes to see people. And, Lord, Father, I'm going to do what you have for me to do today. I'm not going to sit in my hands and wonder why I'm not hungry for what you are hungry for. I'm going to see people, and I'm going to engage. I'm going to help. I'm going to be a blessing. And being a blessing is going to make me hungry. And then being a part, I'm going to have the joy of sharing in the harvest. Because I enjoyed the harvest, I'm going to even more engage, more love engaging in doing my part today. See, for all of us, it's either spiraling downward to lack of appetite or it's spiraling upward to greater appetite like Jesus. They're never separated, folks. To the degree that I know you, I can, I can know that, that your spiritual appetite runs right with your servant's heart. Or your spiritual lack of appetite is stuck right with you, sitting on your hands, not helping anybody. It's just the way it is. It's not a zap me Jesus. It's Father, I'll do my part. Open my eyes to see people. <clears throat> so this has been really impactful to me and to some of you in this last year. You recognize it? <laughs> I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. That's an identity statement that we've said over and over and over again the last six months of 2018. For some of you, this has been pretty impactful in your life. It was for me. So say it with me. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. That is awesome, and I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to add and some of you are going, no, don't make me memorize another sentence. <laughs> I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Not this is the, come on. I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus, right? The Spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. I'm an instrument of God. This was Mark 16, 20. I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more, le more life in Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You lift up your eyes. You're an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. The harvest isn't totally dependent upon you. Just do your part. And do your part with the confidence that what? I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. That's your identity. If you're a follower of Christ, would you say it with me? I'm an instrument of God 
for more people finding more life in Jesus. Again, I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. This is not in contradiction or something separate. This is our identity and fully to the degree that you know it. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The Spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Do you believe that? If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you believe that? See, this is, this is who we must know we are. If we're really going to ask, Father, by your grace and power, would you grant us at least 110 more people who would believe, be baptized? Because he is the giver of life, yes? You believe that he gives life, that he gives hope? And that he's in you? That you're his instrument for more people finding more life? I believe it. Let's stand and declare it together. God lives in me, so it's, it's his breath. And when I know who I am in Christ, then I realize I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus, and therefore every breath is his. It's, it's my food that I'm hungry for. Now that's it's been all for the person who says, yeah, I am a child of God. But I recognize that, that not everybody here this morning's already a child of God. Last week in this hour, a young man with us recognized he wasn't a child of God and he came over, went to the prayer time and, and gave his life to become a child of God. Thursday night, uh, a gentleman met with me afterwards and he said, I've been coming and I've been listening and 
hearing, but I, I feel like there's something missing. It's able to lead him to placing faith in Jesus, that he'd become a child of God. So I recognize that, that some of you here, you're not there yet. So I want you to hear what Jesus said. Anyone who drinks this water is looking at a well. It's going to be thirsty again. But anyone, anyone here this morning who drinks the water that Jesus would give him will never thirst anymore. The water Jesus gives will turn into a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if you have never admitted, man, I'm thirsty, God, and and I've been to a lot of different wells and, and nothing satisfies. Success is not satisfied. Money hasn't satisfied. Drugs hasn't satisfied. Relationships haven't satisfied. I'm still thirsty. Jesus said, that's because only a relationship with me will be living water. So I want to invite you to, to receive the living water of Jesus. If you're not sure what that all is about, then simply do what that guy did Thursday night. Just stay around. There's there's folks right over here, just outside my left, you're right here in south, straight out the back doors in north. Folks who can help you understand how to find living water in Jesus. It's the greatest drink you ever take. (laughs) And it's our greatest privilege to be a part of what God is doing. Because if you're his child already, let's say it one more time, I'm an instrument of God for finding, for more people finding more life in Jesus. Every breath is his. Would you go in his strength, with his appetite to eat his food? God bless.